Welcome to the Radio Plasma podcast, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega, and today we are doing this session from the side of Holyoke just next to the Connecticut River. We are at the Holyoke Dam at the Robert E. Barrett Fishway. And the reason for being here today is because we're going to talk about all the powerful, pun intended, things happening here. I want to thank Kate Sullivan and Liz Austin who are here with me today and they let me get a moment to talk about the season for the fish lift but also all the beautiful things going on here so kate liz thank you so much for this opportunity today of course of course welcome so we are right now next to the river in an area which is a welcoming area for the people who can visit now the the fishway But this is essentially a new site because I remember a couple of years ago when I had the first time visiting this this facility, this was more like a tent. Yes, yes. The visitor building is a new facility that was built about two years ago now. Um, and so it was first opened to the public last year. And uh, it's a nice welcoming place for visitors to come and kind of see everything that's happening in the facility before walking through and getting to view the fish going through the windows. So yeah, it's kind of like our welcome center. And a welcoming place indeed. A beautiful view of the river and people can get comfortable and have an information about what everyone is going to get to see once they move from this point inside the right. facilities. Yeah, and we always have a guide here at the visitor center that welcomes people and gives a little information. And then we also have guides upstairs on the observation deck and in the viewing room um, to give people, you know, answers to questions as they kind of move throughout the facility in a self-guided tour. So when we talk about a fishway, what exactly that means for people who doesn't know or are curious? A fishway in a dam? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, the term fishway really can refer to a couple of different ways of passing fish through or over an obstacle. Um, here in Holyoke, we have elevators that lift the fish who are migrating from the ocean into the river. We can lift them up and, they, and release them above the dam so they can continue swimming upstream. Then they're here every spring. There are certain species that come to the Connecticut River to spawn, to, to reproduce. So they are very motivated to keep going upstream, but when they encounter the dam, they need some help. And we have the elevators. Other places have ladders where the fish swim up sort of um, steps that have water coming down the steps and they can kind of swim up the ladder. But here we have this Um, unique and really very, very um, effective way of moving the fish up and over the dam. And when you say ladder, it's literally that, right? The steps where fish can swim or jump, climbing up their way. That's right. As a matter of fact, if I'm not 
wrong. On the other side, on the South Hadley side of the of the dam, you can see some of those uh, steps, right? For well, you can see the remnants of an old uh, fish ladder that was built in the 1940s. It was the second attempt um, to try to get fish up over the dam. The dam was a the very first dam was in 1849, and in 1870, a wooden fish ladder was built. Um, that did not work. Fish did not use it. And this beautiful dam we have now was completed in 1900, and in 1940s, they tried building this, this uh, concrete dam over here, um, and no fish used that either. So there were other attempts made to get fish up and over the dam to help them continue their migration. And in the 1950s, Robert Barrett, who was the uh, president of the Um, Holyoke Water Power um, apparently initiated the idea of having an elevator and um, it was very very successful immediately and it has been engineered a lot since then um, to be what we have today which are two very very large buckets in a sense that bring the fish up from the river and then uh, to the uh, to the top of the dam and then they're released. When you say that fish weren't using the ladder, how it was figured out the way to get the fish to utilize the lift? Yeah. Well, <laughs> fish passage science is an ongoing thing. And by studying fish over the many decades, scientists have learned that there is a certain flow of water that attracts fish and the certain flow of water that they need in order to continue their passage. What they didn't know in these earlier fish ladders was how to utilize the flow of water, but also what size, uh, what the dimensions of the fish ladder should be, what the elevation or the gradient should be, what was just right for the certain fish we have. And in fact, different fish like different kinds of ladders. And when you have lots of different kinds of fish, it'll work for some, maybe not for others. It's a very complicated science. But now what we know is that there is a certain flow of water that attracts the migrating fish. And that we, we engineer or we, we develop that, that flow, that velocity to come right out of our elevators. And therefore, when the fish detect that, they're coming upstream from the ocean and they detect that flow coming toward them, they love it. And it's like, aha, it's an underwater sign that says, this way and they go right into that flow of water and into the elevator areas and then the elevators that are underwater come up under them and lift them up and once that happened more things take place here because then you utilize this opportunity to count and register every migration happening right yes yes mm -hmm. there's a team of fish counters we call them <laughs> Um, they are Holyoke Community College students who are trained by fisheries biologists to identify the species. And as they pass through a particular area in this process of, of moving the fish upstream, um, they go in front of windows where the, these students are, these trained students are sitting and they watch the fish go by. And they're kind of going by in a narrow groups, you know, so that they can see all the fish and they identify the species and count them. And we need those numbers. Um, the federal government wants them. 
and the state wants them because they want to know how the populations are doing. And of course they want to know that, that we're doing our job just like they want to know all fish passageways are doing their jobs. So yes, we count every fish that goes by. And that's 560,000 last year that, that we passed through this process. How many different species of, of fish uh, have you identified? Oh, well, that's a very good question. I don't know the answer, but the migrating fish, we have six fish that are migrating upstream this time of year. Um, and in the world of fish, there are 30,000 species in the world. About 110, 110 species, 110 species, a very small number, have the capacity to live part of their lives in freshwater and part of their lives in saltwater. So it's very, very few fish in the world that can do this. We have seven species total. Six of them come up in their adult stage to reproduce every spring. One is a different kind of fish, and it, it's, I could explain that later, but it's uh, uh, the American eel, and it has the opposite life cycle. It actually is born in the ocean, lives in the river for 20 years, go back, goes to the ocean to reproduce. But all these other species, all these six other species, um, are coming here too, to re or come back to fresh water to reproduce. When you have the fish counters doing this task, at some point, I guess it should be really overwhelming when you're talking about 500,000. <laughs> so how does the, the counting happen? Yeah. Well, they are trained to, obviously they can count, and they, you know, when there are not many fish, they count one, two, three, four, and people always ask me, they ask me often, how do they count the fish? And I say, one, two, three, <laughs> four. <laughs> but in fact, they're also trained, when there are many, many fish, to estimate the numbers that are going by the window. The window's a certain size, the fish are a certain size, the depth is a certain size. So they can estimate. So they might be estimating on some days tens, and then on the really, really, really busy days, they're estimating possibly by the 100 at a time. So we don't, we can't count every single individual fish, but we have a really, really close uh, approximation of the numbers of fish going through here. It's a practice that is done by physically looking at the fish. Mm -hmm thinking about all the engineering and all the advancements in technology, this is something that technology has not yet been capable of doing yeah. in, that, in that efficient way. Right. Well, I'll tell you, some fish, um, fishways film the fish going by, and then somebody, somebody over the course of the winter sits and watches those films and counts the fish. So that's one, it's a long, tedious process, and you don't have for your population estimates really quickly, which we do here, which is a great advantage to what, what we're doing. But in terms of technology, this may be, I, I may be not up to date on this, but my understanding is we don't have the technology yet to, we, we could, they could, something could count all the fish going by, but identifying the species is still a bit out of our reach, I think. So aside of the, the fish lift, this dam is also one of the most important resources for the city of Holyoke, and is 
of course, the power that the water, the flow of the water is generating, and also this is the point of source for the Holyoke Canal system. How much of importance this facility has for the city and for the region overall? Yeah, well this, this facility was purchased by Holyoke Gas and Electric in 2001, and previous to that it was operated by Holyoke Water Power Company, which was a Northeast utility company. And when the dam was purchased in 2001, the city of Holyoke took on this great responsibility of you know, generating power here in Holyoke for the residents and businesses that are right here. Um, about 45, between 45 and 47 megawatts um, is generated through these facilities. So here at Hadley Station, there's two generators and um, Hadley 1 and Hadley 2, and each one is approximately 15 megawatts of capacity. And then along the canal system, there's an additional approximately 20 megawatts of capacity with some smaller units. An average spring day, we can generate all the entire capacity for the city of Holyoke. Our peak is you know, about 75 megawatts. So during the summer when everybody's running their ACs and you know, there's a lot of power being used in town, we of course have to purchase some power off of the grid. And um, there's some other technologies that we're working on with battery storage and things like that, that might eventually, you know, be able to help us shave that load time. But yeah, this is extremely important. It makes us a very green community, uh, one of the greenest communities in the state between this and a lot of our solar generation. Uh, we have about 18 megawatts, a little bit less than 18 megawatts of solar generation in town. Um, and one of the facilities is a new one right behind um, Hadley Station. So yeah, we have a lot of green power and it's a great and important responsibility. And Hoyo Gas and Electric is extremely proud of the work that we're doing to keep um, energy rates down, but also providing green utility to customers. Which is one of the most beautiful advantages that we have utilizing the natural resources and, and utilizing the energy in the most clean way possible. Seeing now uh, more solar fields across the city as another way to generate power is definitely something that is showing that we can have a clean way of generating and utilizing power without having to keep utilizing elements that are causing so much pollution and so much damage to, to our environment and our planet. Right, right. Yeah, and I would say this facility is a great representation of showing how you know you can protect the environment and also generate electricity kind of hand in hand. And you know we do a lot to protect the environment and the fish and but also we're able to generate electricity for the community. So it's really a nice story. And when people come here, they can walk through the power plant and actually kind of see and feel what's actually happening below the ground. And then also get to see, you know, the wonderful windows and the fish and, and the power of the water. Like today, you know, you look out and you just see all this white water because there's just, there's so much energy here. So. Um, it's a really unique facility, and uh, we're lucky here that we, ha we have this resource. And right now we are in the best time mm -hmm. to enjoy and, uh, and appreciate all the power in this facility because it's when the, the fish are ready to, yeah. to, be, to be counted. 
So basically, right now is the best moment for people in the community to visit and yeah. know about the fishway and about the, the generators. Right, yeah, we're open for six weeks to the public in the spring, and uh, it, that's migration season, so it's the time when people can actually see the fish. So um, we have close to 10,000 visitors that come through here every year, lots of uh, school groups and um, groups of engineers and industry groups that come to see you know, the unique things that are happening here, both with the fish and with the power. Um, so we opened May 2nd and we're open till June 10th, Wednesday through Sunday, nine to five, and Liz and her team are awesome and they'll give you all the information that you need while you're here um, kids are more than welcome and um, yeah it's a great family activity this weekend we have both the shad derby going on and also mother's day we have some special mother's day activities um, and next weekend's the shad derby too so we have a lot a lot happening in the next couple weeks i'm thinking uh, about all the different groups of people who have a direct interest on what happens here. So we're talking about engineers, talking about urban planners, talking about people interested in the fish and biology, but also thinking about fishermen. Mm -hmm. What are the interactions or the, the, the type of connections that you see happening when you have visitors? That's a great question. Um, it, it, one of the things that's, that I love and that really struck me when I first started working here is how many families come. And m several generations will come together. Lots of fathers bringing their children here. Mm -hmm. So it's a wonderful place for families to come. It's free. It's about animals. You can see the fish. You can see the, the water. You can see the incredible dam. And so that's one, one group. And yes, we do get the fishermen and the fisherwomen, the anglers, um, everybody. Um, they come in to see well, how the fish are running. They want to know, you know, do you have a lot of shad right now? Sometimes they just come in and look at our numbers because we get numbers every day of how many fish came in the day before. They'll come in and look at the numbers and then they'll say, yay, and they'll run out the door and they go running up <laughs> down the driveway to go fishing. But a lot of them will come in and they just tour the whole facility and they watch the fish that, you know. So yes, we get a lot of groups. And we get um, groups of uh, senior citizens coming in. And this, you uh, mentioned the school groups. So we really get the whole range. And we get a whole range of people of all socioeconomic diver you know, diversity, all ethnic diversities. All, you know, it's just, this is just a, a place where everybody comes. It's quite exciting. And on Mother's Day, uh, interesting to know that it's a tradition for many, many families in this area to come to the Fishway. It's one of our biggest days, and I say it's that we're celebrating the mothers here on land and the mothers in the water mm, that right. are coming up <laughs> to reproduce. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. yeah. And actually, thinking even more, more deeply uh, about Mother Nature herself being the river, the source of everything we have in the city, a source of life, source of energy, source of food. Yes, right. yes. Right. And these, uh, these fish, these American shad, which is our primary migrating fish, um, have been a source of food for, for uh, you know, hundreds of years. For so the Native Americans came right here, right here where we're sitting right now to fish every spring and across the river in South Hadley. 
um, and um, the the, pine, the the early the pioneers, the early settlers, also really really depended on these fish for a food source. So it's it's this spot has been an important spot for people for you know thousands. Well, I would say thousands of years probably. Mm. So we are in the visitor center, the welcoming point of the fishway, and if we can get to see a little bit of and here most importantly here a little bit of the different points that people can experience themselves coming to visit during this season let's see if we can capture that beautiful sound of the river that it's been humming throughout this whole conversation yeah. <laughs> but now i guess this is the time to get up close and personal with yes. the river and awesome. hear the roar yes, yes. <laughs> We're inside where we can see the generator. Yes, we're in, ha we're in the Hadley Station power plant, and there are two um, large turbines here. One was installed in the 1950s and the other in the 1980s, and they're generating quite a lot of electricity for the city of Holyoke right now, and you can hear it. <laughs> so this is the first point of entrance to the actual facility and we see this huge space and you can see actually the generator, the turbine spinning. So this is the motion of the river flow making this turbine spin. That's right, so the, the force of the water falling down about 50 feet onto these large uh, turbines that are they're like big propellers, uh, the water turns them and then that turns the generator, which is where the electricity is produced. Quite basic principle of physics, and that's what keeps the city running. Yes, <laughs> that's right. So now we are... Going for a shower. Ready to get wet at the observation deck, and now we are just on the edge of the dam. Look at the power of that water. So amazing. And this is the sound of the Connecticut River, the water falling through the dam, and at the same time generating all the power for the city of Holyoke. lifting today but this is typically where visitors would be able to see the two buckets lifting the fish up and over the dam and then they can move inside to the viewing room and there's an aquarium type window where they can see the fish swimming by and kids love to see the sea lamprey and the shad and kind of point out the different types of species they're seeing there. How much water is approximately going through right now? You Do you know? Um, I can, by looking at it, I'm guessing somewhere between 40 and 50,000 cubic feet per second. That's 40 to 50,000 basketballs going over per second. So it's a lot of water right now. And most of this water is uh, snow melt up north and rain up north. So what happens between here and Canada affects us dramatically. And now thinking about that distance, 
how far up the fish go? Oh, well, uh, most of our species, um, it depends on the species. The American shad can go up as far, we think, as far as Bellow Falls, Bellows Falls, Vermont. Um, we think historically that's about as far as they've gone. Salmon, uh, when we had Atlantic salmon, which we which have now uh, no longer are here, uh, they would go farther. The sea lamprey tend to uh, stay pretty much in Massachusetts. They don't go much farther than that. But we're 86 miles inland at this point. So we're 86 miles from the ocean now. So that most of the fish will travel one, between 100 and 200 miles. Yeah. They've swum like all the way up to Canada and all the way down to Florida in the off season, you know? Anytime, anytime. That's quite a journey. This is overwhelmingly powerful. So this is on the side, the point of entry for the observation deck where the fish are being lifted. Right. They are basically ready to, to start that, oh, that yes. circulation. Yes, yes. As soon as the water flows go down a little bit, then we'll be able to lift the, the fish. Hopefully by Wednesday or so of this week, people will be able to come and actually see fish when they, when they arrive. But what you're looking at here is the gatehouse, is that gray building and then the first level canal. So this is where all the water is flowing into the city. Um, and then from there, the canals are three levels, which drop 20 feet. To, so first to second to third, a 20 feet drop, 20 foot drop, and then back out to the river. Um, so we're able to generate power all along the way. So when you see the canals downtown Holyoke, we're actually using that water multiple times to generate electricity. So one thing that sometimes people, they don't realize is that the canals, even though the flow of the water seems to be so quiet and peaceful, is actually generating power as well, right? Yes, yes. It's generating power not because of the flow in the canal, but because of the difference in the height between one canal and the one below. And the water flows underneath the, the mills through the turbines and then out to the lower, lower canal and then again out to the one, the next one. So we actually use our water twice from the, in the canals. It generates electricity two times. It's wonderful use of, of water. And that's why the industry that established in Holyoke was able to keep running and to generate its own, its own work thanks to that flow of water and energy being generated in its own turbines, right? If, if Holyoke were not on a hill, we would not be able to do this. It's really, it's really about the change in elevation from the higher part of Holyoke down to the river. It's about a 60-foot difference. And you've got to have that elevation drop in order for the water to become powerful. It has to be moving downhill to be powerful. So, and Holyoke's the perfect place. And originally, all of this power was generating for machinery. It wasn't electricity, obviously, at the time. So all these plants came here, and machines were able to work because of all the water. So, so right now, the, the water is making these turbines to spin and generate power. Formerly, it was mechanical. So the, it, the water turned the turbines 
in those days, and the turbines were connected to the machines by belts and pulleys, and that's how the machines were turned. Today, it generates electricity to turn, to turn on the machines. And now we are entering the observation deck where the fish lift takes place and where visitors can take a look at the fish being counted, but on the higher point of the river so they can be released and continue their journey upstream. So right now we are watching uh, just across the windows and there is just barely water there. But usually this looks like if people were in an aquarium, right? Exactly. exactly. And if there were a lot of kids in here, they would be ooing and eyeing and pointing at the window and they just get so excited to see all these species like right up close in such a natural environment. So. So we are seeing here also a chart that has the migratory fish and we have in here the seven species that uh, Liz was mentioning just before and these are the ones that people can actually get to see physically here. The one that you'll see the most of is the American Shad. The, one, the next one that's most um, abundant in our river is the sea lamprey. But we also have short-nosed sturgeon, blueback herring, gizzard shad, and striped bass, um, those fish are migrating upstream this time of year. There's also the American eel, which it lives also in fresh and salt water, but it is, has the opposite life cycle. So it uh, would actually be migrating downstream to the ocean, and the, it does that later on in the, in the season. And we, that's a nighttime thing. We don't get to see that. <laughs> How much is it for you, Liz, to share all your knowledge about fish with the community that visits the, the fish lift? Well, this is what keeps me here, aside from Kate Sullivan, who's <laughs> wonderful to work for. Um, but being able to help people understand the life cycles of the fish, the plight of some of the fish, the things that we're doing to help them, and the, th the help that they need uh, from all of us around the world, that's to me very exciting. This is what's very rewarding to me. I love to teach and to be able to teach about something that I'm very concerned about um, is, is like putting everything together for me. And this is something really important in many different aspects, not only the fact that we have this resource, this historical landmark, an important piece of our current history. It's also the fact that, as you're saying, you're someone who is committed to teach, to keep passing on your knowledge. And what a perfect day to do this when we are celebrating teachers during this week. Oh, really? Right? It's true. It's That's true. wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Because it puts everything together. History, nature, knowledge, fun, because families being here, I'm pretty sure they have an amazing time without having to leave the city. But at the same time, the most important, we are all learning something more, something new for many, but more knowledge for everyone about what we have locally here, this big and amazing treasure and resource. Yes. There are very few places in the world where a human being can watch a fish from underwater migrating. 
very, very few places, and we have an incredible place in Holyoke. We can watch hundreds of thousands of fish migrating from underwater windows, and I don't know how you'd get to see fish do that in other places. You'd have to be a scuba diver and wait for months. <laughs> you know, so this is a this is an amazing facility, and and the the migration is a, is an amazing natural phenomenon. And most people in this area don't really know that it's going on because it's underwater. So this season that is currently open for visitors to come Wednesday through Sunday, is the only time when people can visit and get to see the fish? When people can, were open to the public. Um, we also, if you know, you're a college student and you, you know, your class wants to come on a tour, people can get in touch with us and we can set something up off season. Uh, but that's really by appointment only. If you're just looking to come here with your kids and see the migration of the fish and be in the power plant, we are open for six weeks every spring. Um, and if you come in the off season, we don't really have fish for you to see. This is the time of the year that fish are coming through the windows, which is why we open it to the public during this time. So, but for engineering students or you know people that want to see something different, we're more than happy to open the doors um, and give tours kind of on a case-by-case -case basis. So this is the visit that we are having today at the Robert E. Barry Fishway, the Holyoak Dam, the Fishway, the Fish Lift. This is... This is so impressive. This is so beautiful. If you haven't been here before, give yourself this chance to enjoy this experience and, and get to enjoy the tour that Liz provides for visitors. It's such a delight. You are so knowledgeable of fish. How come that you got to know that much of them? <laughs> and she's knowledgeable about children, too. So. Well, actually, my career was in education and psychology. And not, not until I, I retired did I go back to school and I got a master's degree in fisheries conservation. And that was in 2010, I got that degree. Um, I started working here every season when I retired from my other work, my main career in 2007. Prior to that, starting 2002, I'd volunteered for very short periods of time during the season. But um, So I think it was just studying. It was going back to school, which was really a wonderful treat to be able to do. And, and learning from people who, uh, from the fishways who taught me. I mean, just learning on, on the go, you know. So I've been here for a while. <laughs> and I thank you. I thank you for for this beautiful mission of passing on your knowledge, for being so welcoming and having this amazing place to show and share with the community. I really hope that people who can visit here, coming back or coming for the very first time, they can enjoy and have a beautiful, beautiful learning experience from being here. Once again, if you can uh, remind everybody about the season for, for this year. Yeah, well, we opened May 2nd and we're open until June 10th, Wednesday through Sunday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And if you have, we're also open Memorial Day. And if you have a tour, you can get in touch with us in advance. We make sure that we have a guide to um, take, you, take you around. But otherwise, we're open for self-guided tours. And on the weekends at 1.30, Saturday and Sunday, we have a guided tour for anybody from the public that's interested in kind of learning more and having 
um, having a, a guided tour. So, um, yeah, lots of opportunities. We have the Shad Derby this weekend and next weekend and Mother's Day activities. And it's just a really special time to be out and by the river and come see us. Liz, come see Liz. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Kate, Liz, thank you so much. I really appreciate this amazing opportunity of sharing with you, getting to have this tour, see the water, see the fish lift. And most important, to get to connect with you and having this opportunity of sharing with more people about what what's going on. It's right in their backyard. It's right in their backyard. A lot of people can walk here, you know, and it's just an amazing opportunity. And go fishing in the river and, you know, just experience nature a little bit. And, um, yeah, we're happy. Thank you for doing this and, you know, sharing the story far and wide. Thank you very much. And I'm just to say to everybody, come on down. <laughs> so this is our session today from the Robert E. Barry Fishway here in the Holyoke Dam. This has been our portable session of the Radio Plasma podcast. And of course, recorded and produced in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Thanks again to Kate Sullivan and Elizabeth Austin here. With this, we conclude this visit, and I expect that you can give yourself the chance to do it yourself and enjoy it the same way I just did. For Radio Plasma from Holyoke, Massachusetts, I'm Jorgen Rashi Vega. Thank you for listening. <laughs>